In order to truly become part of the global business environment, your business needs to constantly change and adapt to a variety of new constants. Welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders with Kimberly J. Lewis. We will help you navigate these changes on today's program and help you think beyond the boundaries. The opportunities are limitless if you are prepared. Now, here is your host, Kimberly J. Lewis. Hello and welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host, and this series is in cooperation with Cinda Virtual, which brings you thought leaders and business stories from all over the world. Now, you can learn more about Cinda on www.cinda.org. Now, this show doesn't only bring you thought leaders from all over the world, but we also have listeners from all over the world. So good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you may be listening from today. And if you're new to the series, let me tell you the series is about Leadership Beyond Board is about the impact globalization, digital transition, and connected world is having on our organizations and what this impact is doing to the kind of leadership we need today to drive long-term success in today's economy. In this series, we talked about everything from business issues such as artificial intelligence, digital transitions, and data protection regulations to leadership issues such as gender balance and business values and ethics that may impact your organization or your individual career. So please listen to us live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. specific time. And if you miss us live, don't worry because we are in every podcast platform, just from Apple to Google to Stitcher to Spotify, just put in Leadership Beyond Borders. And I also invite you to connect with me. Please tell me your thoughts and insights. Send me a mail to Leadership Beyond Borders. Connect me with me on my website, leadershipbeyondborders.net. So if you're in a leadership position or aspire to be in one, regardless if your business is international or local, make sure you join us each week and we will make sure that you take away something useful for either business or yourself. So now on to today's episode. You know, ideas are abundant. A lot of people have ideas and a lot of people want to start their own businesses. But how many of these ideas actually become successful businesses? You know, pursuing an idea or trying to start and run a business can be a scary thing because you you may give up a lot. You may give up a well-paying job. You may even give up more, your home, your nest egg, your security, and you really don't know if you're going to succeed. Well, unfortunately, Unfortunately, although the statistics vary, the facts show that about only two out of 10 startups succeed, and that's being generous. In this um, this episode, we're going to explore some ways that can help you along the path of entrepreneurship without having to give up your house, your nest egg, or your future. And our guest today is an expert in this area. Our guest today is Will Russell, and he is the CEO of Russell Marketing and the author of the book Launch 5, Take Your Idea from Light Bulb Moment to Profitable Business in Record Time. The book explains how data-driven five-step profit launch system provides entrepreneurs with a formula for ensuring they have a viable idea and can make the most out of launch marketing to maximize profitability. Russell Marketing is specialized in e-commerce launch marketing, which has helped hundreds of entrepreneurs validate their ideas and execute successful launches. He has been featured in Business Insider, Forbes, Cranes New York, Startup Nation, and much more. So welcome to the show, Will. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Great. So, well, let's just, let's just start with what made you write the book? Well, I started writing the book 
in the early stages of, of COVID, once the, the lockdowns were happening. So we all had a little bit of, or at least I had a little bit of time on my hands uh, during those lockdown periods. And, and truth be told, we we received, my company received so many uh, requests uh, from folks who want to work with us, who, who want us to help them launch, uh, who don't have big budgets. And the way that the launch industry or the, even the e-commerce industry has developed, you need budgets in order to, to, to work with agencies and, and get that help. So I wanted to this book was was my answer to them. It was it was my my a product that, that I could offer to all those folks who don't have those big budgets or wanted to do it on their own, don't have deep pockets, and it should act as, as a basic recipe for for them to move through the kind of launch system and launch support that they would have with us. But basically, having the the instructions and the recipe to, to do it by themselves for. A, a much much lower cost mm-hmm. great yeah i mean the book's great um for our readers i i read the book um but i have to ask you about one thing that's in the beginning of the book okay you talk about risk adverse entrepreneurship but for me that's kind of like an oxymoron or is it not i mean um what you know when you start talking about that what do you mean i think what i what i mean is and, and i think it is an oxymoron in the the way that many perceive it and but i think the reality is or the the bits of entrepreneurship that the media uh, and the online world doesn't focus on is the risk aversion and and the, the making smart risks not necessarily you can't avoid risks especially mm-hmm. if you're launching a business but you can certainly make smart risks and i think the way that the online world seems to portray entrepreneurship, whether it's Elon Musk or Mark Zuckerberg <laughs> or whatever the case may be, they're, they're positioning, you know, we hear these huge amounts of money, it'd be a huge risks being taken, this, that, and the other. And I just think that's not the reality for most people. So the concept of risk-averse entrepreneurship, I don't think is, is new, or, and I don't think is a surprise to perhaps people who, who are repeat entrepreneurs. But for many folks who may be setting out on their first journey, I want them to know that you don't have to take tremendous risks to be successful or to be, quote, unquote, an entrepreneur. And I think a classic example of that that I see all the time is the phrase burn the boats. And Tony Robbins mm-hmm. talked about it quite a bit and, and as of many you know, the concept that if you burn the boats when you're attacking a different country, then there's no way back. There's no way back across the water and you only have one option, one plan, and that's to move forward and to be victorious. And I just don't agree with that at all. Uh, I, I think that well, burning the boats is, is, is foolish. And the example I give in the book around that is, is Warby Parker, the, the glasses company, uh, who... They sought investors very early on, and a lot of investors turned them down because uh, because the the team at Warby Parker at Warby Parker refused to give up their day job. You know, this 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 startup was a side project, and they wanted to be risk averse. They wanted to keep their income, keep their stability, while working on it. And for many on uh, investors, that was a a red flag. Uh, but as you know, history tells a story that turned out to be a, a perfectly a good decision. And Warby Parker developed into a very successful company. So risk-averse entrepreneurship 
for me, it's it's not a, a new concept, but I think it's important to bring that concept to light when so much of what we see and hear is is about risk-taking in, in the world of entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, when you do, you know, you turn on CNBC or anything else and you're seeing this, these entrepreneur stories and you are hearing, the, like, numbers mm-hmm. that are unfathomable. Um, but but before we get into your book, um, just a, a, another question. You work you work with a lot of founders and entrepreneurs. Um can you generalize and say, is there one kind of thread or mistake that that many of them make? Or is it just depends on the idea yeah. of the industry? Yeah. I would say it, validation. validation. It, and that could be twofold. One is people moving ahead under the incorrect assumption that what they have is, is the right idea and the right way to approach kind of the launch or execution of that idea. Uh, and and the other part of that is, I guess in part, the, the openness to being realistic. Mm-hmm. It's a tough, tough balance because if you're launching a business, you're launching a product, of course you think it's the best thing since sliced bread. That's, that's expected. I mean, that's part and parcel of, of what it is to be pursuing your own idea and, and pursuing your dreams. However, there's a to the, to the point, Kimberly, that you made right at the start, uh, very few businesses succeed, and that's just the reality. So even if 10 out of 10 entrepreneurs believe their idea is the best, we know that the data suggests that's not true. And it's important for, uh, for those folks and for all folks to just have that that concept of being practical and reasonable and trusting the data and looking at the data. So I would say number one mistake is effectively properly validating that the idea they have, the concept they want to bring to the to market is, is the right one, is priced correctly, is positioned correctly, and they are set up for success. Far too many people skip that, assume they're good to go, and, uh, and just dismiss the actual data. Yeah. And you say in your book um, something about, you know, you're getting, you know, that, that product validation. It could be a service validation out of the gate. And you talk about kind of the, the fork in the road um, and in the early stages, you know, getting the ICP, the ideal customer profile, correct. And they're, you're saying in that phase, there's three potential outcomes. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, well, during that validation phase, you're looking for exactly that. There's going to be three outcomes of, of you testing your product and collecting that validation information. One is the data's great. Everyone feels good. The data's looking good and full steam ahead for the launch. We've got everything uh, as spot on as we can at this stage of the journey. The second one, the second possible path is that you're going to see the data and there's going to be some good stuff. Uh, there's going to be overall a, a positive, positive feedback However, there are some areas that are missing the mark, and there needs to be a little bit of time just to reassess. Perhaps it is, you know, reassessing those audiences. Perhaps it's reassessing how you want to position this launch from a marketing message standpoint. Perhaps it's the use case. Perhaps people are responding to this product, this idea, uh, with different use cases than you had assumed. So that second part is yes, things are looking good, but we need to make a few tweaks to to the plan. Before we actually go to market, the third uh, possibility is that 
the data says, look, this, this isn't in the right place to do this, whether it's the audience, whether it's the pricing, whether it's the positioning, whether it's the creative and, and how people are perceiving the visual of the product or the idea. Ultimately, the data says, if you move forward with this right now in its current iteration, it's going to be hard. It's going to be really hard. And so those are the three outcomes. And uh, having done many, many of these validations, I would say they are all common. They all happen. And all entrepreneurs should be prepared and have plans for, for any of them being a result of that validation period. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, it, and it's about really looking at the data, too. So um, we're going we're gonna to take a short break. And when we come back, I, I want to... I want to go into that a little bit more and kind of talk to you about so so what happens if you have to tweak it and then, and I want to talk to you about um, your your five steps okay and obviously validation is one of them and we can dig more into that after the break and for our listeners we are talking with Will Russell and he is the CEO of Russell Marketing and author of the book Launch in 5 take your idea from light bulb moment to profitable business in record time and Russell Marketing is specialized in e-commerce launch marketing which has helped hundreds of entrepreneurs validate their ideas and execute successful launches and uh, Russell has has been featured in Business Insider, Forbes, Cranes, New York, and Startup Nation, and many more. Now, if you'd like to learn more, you can go to www.russellmarketing.co. And if you'd like to get to the book, you can go www.launchin5, and five is the number, book.com. Now, Russell is also on LinkedIn under Will Russell. Mark M K T G and on Twitter under Will Russell 87 and also under Russell Marketing. And he also has other social media accounts under campsite.bio Russell Marketing. So please reach out to him on www.russellmarketing.co and take a look at the book. And this broadcast is also brought to you by Cinda. And Cinda is one of Europe's fastest nonprofit growing digital marketing and local search associations. They hold virtual trainings, conferences, do market research, and legislative white papers focus on digital. And they also have an e-learning platform for entrepreneurs. And this takes entrepreneurs through a learning phase from startup to exit. And you can access all of that on www.cinda.org. And with that, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Follow Voice America at facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Are you ready for a disaster? If you are like many people in the world, that answer may sadly be no. Disasters happen unexpectedly to people just like you every day. Tune into Preparing for the Unexpected with business continuity and disaster planning expert Alex Fullick. The show will not only help you better prepare for a disaster itself, but also to prepare you, your place of employment, and community for the aftermath emotionally, financially, and with a better level of awareness and a stronger feeling of resiliency. Tune in Thursdays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
We all hear about information security, identity, and privacy threats. The more technology becomes part of our lives, with more data created to provide insights about our lives, the more concerned we need to be. That's why it's important to tune in to Data Security and Privacy with the Privacy Professor. Host Rebecca Harold is an internationally recognized expert in these areas. Rebecca and her guests will let you know how to keep your business and personal data safe. Listen live the first Saturday of each month at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Tune in each week for the Labenthal Report with hosts Dominic Tavella and Michael Hartzman. The Labenthal Report keeps you in tune with market conditions, investment opportunities, and outlooks based on the stories and headlines to keep you in touch with your financial success. Are you picking the right financial path? Find out by listening to The Labenthal Report live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answers Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And today we're talking about entrepreneurship and how you can take an idea and actually make a successful business out of it. And we're talking to an expert in this area, and we're talking with Will Russell. He's the CEO of Russell Marketing and the author of the book, Launch in Five, Take Your Idea from a Lightbulb Moment to Profitable Business in Record Time. And Russell Marketing is specialized in e-commerce launch marketing, which has helped hundreds of entrepreneurs validate their ideas and execute successful launches. So, um, before before the break, I asked you, um, Will, what you know? What's the biggest mistake? You talked about validation. So we talked about you know the validation process and the three points. You know, data's good. Data's maybe okay, but it has to be tweaked, and it's like a no go. Okay, um, just just on the on the tweaking stuff. Okay. Um, what what is that about? Maybe the pricing points wrong, or the ICPs wrong, or um, um, what do you what what do you see a lot in this area? I think we would usually, especially nowadays, twenty twenty three or twenty twenty two, perhaps. I think it's that the that the pricing is off uh, for for many new entrepreneurs. They're setting pricing based on competitors or what they see in the market uh, and then when they, they're doing an analysis that, analysis of their own costs and, and what it takes to bring a product to market 
they're using all that information to 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 identify what their pricing should be. What that doesn't really account for is the world we're in right now and how costly it can be to acquire early customers. And so once we've done a validation, we're able to really point that data out to them. They're going to see, okay, so to, to acquire each customer is probably going to cost me X dollars. And therefore, seeing that the, the markets and the margins just don't quite work for them. So I'd say usually it's a case of coming back to the drawing board and, and working out a new price point, uh, or it's they're solving a problem that just isn't scalable. Yeah. And maybe they're solving a problem that works for a lot, you know, solving a problem for a number of people, but just not enough people. Mm-hmm. Than to be embarked on a launch strategy like this. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so let's let's take that validation. Let's talk about the the five steps that you believe can support kind of a um, not I'm not gonna say risk aversion, but make smart risks or or kind of make it more successful. Can you give us a a, um, a high level overview of what those five steps are? Certainly, yeah. So we start with validation, and that's the period like we just talked about, where we're collecting real-life purchase intent data on will people buy this product at this price point in the way that you're positioning it. Once we've passed the successful validation, the data is looking good, we're going to move into steps two and three that are concurrent, and that is audience acquisition and audience engagement. That's all about building up an audience of potential customers and getting them excited for the launch. Mm-hmm. Uh, once we've gone through that period, we're then going to move into step four, which is audience conversion. So we've validated the idea, we've brought in our prospective customers, we've got them excited. Now's the big one. Now we're going to launch and we're going to actually convert them into customers. And then once we've done that with this audience we've built, we've then got a, a great amount of data. We've got, we've got sales coming in, and we're starting to see, okay, what does this really look like as a business? So we can start to scale and we can start to look at, okay, beyond these earliest customers, then where do we go? Where do we look beyond there? Where are the pockets of opportunity and how can we grow? So that those are the five steps. And for most clients, we're working through that perhaps between four and, and seven months we're, we're taking to go through that process. Mm-hmm. So before going to the processes, just let me ask you a question on, so what what is the differentiator in this in this five step process than other processes that the differentiator that will make this work and make it a little bit um, r- risk smart <laughs> if I want to put it? Yeah, it's a good question and it's something I thought a lot about. Uh, as folks who maybe have written a book would know, it's it's no simple endeavor and it takes a lot of time and and effort and so. I went into it, I really had to be sure and confident that what I was bringing to the table was something different than what was already on the market in terms of launch books. And there's many of them and there's many brilliant ones. I think what what I focus on and how I try to position it is, is a few different things. Number one, I, I wanted this system to be agnostic to the product, to the industry or, or to the marketing channel. And a lot of the books currently available about launches are focusing on a particular product industry or a particular way to launch. I wanted to be agnostic to that. And in the same sense, I wanted to be agnostic to time, which kind of sounds weird, but something else I noticed about 
all the books that are currently available for launches or crowdfunding or things like that, they were focused and very relevant now. But in 10 years' time, a lot of the terminology, a lot of the strategies they're talking about are no longer relevant. Things move very, very quickly. And so I wanted to write a book where we focus on concepts. We do talk strategy and we do talk tactics, but we also present everything in a way where it's conceptual. So whether this was someone 100 years ago wanting to launch a business or whether it's someone 100 years from now, they're going to get value because the concepts of how do you acquire an audience uh, around a product, I mean, you know, that, that, that doesn't change what people want, how people want things, how people react to things, how people feel when they solve problems or buy products. Those feelings, you know, they tend to be pretty consistent over time. It's just the way that we're, whether it's a television ad or a radio ad or an internet ad, the way we're approaching those people changes. Mm -hmm. So agnostic time was important. And then the third one, Kimberly, just to touch on what we already mentioned really is I wanted plan B, C and D. And I didn't think that books on the market currently gave much information on, okay, well, what do we do if things go wrong? They talk about how to do things successfully and how to launch, but they don't really spend much time on but what if my product or my idea doesn't follow this process in the way that you explain it, then what do I do? So I wanted to bring ideas to the table for folks who are going to be in that situation too. Actually, when you said A, B, A, B, C, D, I had to think I did an interview with a Navy SEAL who said plan A never goes. <laughs> I think it's the SEAL's motto that forget plan A, go to BC, okay? Um, but yeah. anyways, yeah. yeah. So now that that makes a lot of sense. So let, let, let's talk about, you know, uh, let's talk a little bit about audience uh, acquisition and engagement, okay? Um, because you, that is one thing that the, the, uh, the tools you use changes, but the concept doesn't really change. So can you talk a little bit about the concept and then maybe in relation to some of the tools you're using today in 2023? Yeah, I mean, the concept of acquiring an audience. So I think, why, why, would, why does an audience get acquired? An audience is acquired around something because they want that something. And so that kind of comes to the premise, well, what makes people want stuff? And that's a, a section of the book. Why do people want things? And how can we facilitate or, or support or drive home further these notions, these reasons for why people want things? And, and I mean, there's a few reasons the book talks about, but, but one example could be as simple as FOMO, fear of missing out. People want stuff when they can't have it or there's a risk of not having it. And so that that remains true today. It was true back in, if people have heard of, uh, what was it called, like the, the, the tulip craze where tulips suddenly got very uh, uh, expensive and the value of tulips went up in like the 16th century and everyone was obsessed with tulips. And that will be the case in 500 years time when people are obsessing about whatever the crazy technology is then. So the concept of what makes people want stuff, those concepts are remaining true and are agnostic to platform, to time, and whatnot. Now, in terms of what are we using today to, to make people want stuff and to acquire audiences, the most common, most common way of acquiring audiences right now is going to be getting people onto email lists, which is a very popular uh, 
method and a very successful method. So right now, anyone listening to this, you've probably seen ads in your Facebook feed or your Instagram feed that take you to a, a page for a product where you can sign up and, and learn more. And that's just a great example of building an audience around uh, around a product. Uh, and then another kind of audience, we're talking more about the engagement side of things, is, is how are we engaging with them? And email can be tricky with that. Email, if you have an email list, you know, you email a thousand people, you're not going to get a thousand responses. Mm-hmm. But then we look to things like Facebook groups, for example, which are great avenues for engaging and communicating with these prospective customers. So right now, email lists and, and Facebook group, I think, are two of the, the biggest winners for audience acquisition. But as we said, fundamentally, the concept of what makes people want something is, uh, isn't just relevant to 2023, but is, is going to pertain to all sorts of different eras. Mm-hmm. And and I think I think what you you know in your steps you know, once I want something and I'm just thinking about myself as a consumer okay then I do tend to engage okay um, so how important is that engagement um, of building you know loyalty or trust to that that product in this launch process so important more important now than I think. It has ever been. I think, you know, over the last maybe 10 years, as we've seen e-commerce really explode, we've also seen opportunists take advantage of that. And I think mm-hmm. something we've started seeing, especially post-COVID, when everyone and anyone was releasing COVID masks and this, that and the other, I think we've we've reached a, a time of skepticism. and. And skepticism uh, also around the anonymity of brands. And so maybe in 2018, when we were doing a lot of these kind of launches, the engagement piece wasn't as strong. I would say the engagement piece has always been important for sales objections. Something we might talk about later is how Mm -hmm. important it is to proactively resolve sales objections when you're launching. And that's, that's always been the case. But I think now, 2023, we're seeing it's so important that people can engage with and speak to and see and understand who is behind this, who's doing this. Uh, can I trust them? Is it reliable? Am I going to get a product? So nowadays, that that credibility that gets garnered and, and acquired through a founder or a founding team engaging directly with their potential customers is is a really important piece of ensuring conversion and, and getting a good getting good early traction on your launch yeah and this engagement is is a conversation so as they engage with you and there's one there was one chapter in your book that i thought was great and um and you talked about paying attention to the conversations or the people engaging in what they're saying. And I think we all see it because we rate, we read ratings and reviews and things like that, even as businesses. But the question is, how often do we really pay attention to that to make adjustments in our business? So I don't know, you know, these, these conversations that are going on, what should you be using them for? Well, I would say a really, really easy way of using online conversation is to understand what it, what is your winning 
unique selling proposition or what is the problem what does your product solve or your idea solve that hasn't been solved yet an example of and, and this is a, an, essentially an example where a founder may be creating a product because it solves a problem they have and they, it's a brilliant product and when they put it out into the world they make the assumption that everyone has the same problem as them mm. but there might be a million other ways to solve that problem and particularly when you're launching we need to focus on lowest hanging fruit so a product might solve 10 problems, but we know one of those is likely to drive more traction, uh, get more success than the others. And we want to focus on the winner. We want to focus on the winning one. So and a good example of this is you have a product that solves a problem. Go to Amazon, find other products that solve that problem in a similar way, and then take a look at the comments. And what we'll mm -hmm. see in those comments is what does that competitive product fail to achieve mm -hmm. uh, or what is that what is the biggest problem that that users are referencing that this doesn't quite satisfy them for mm -hmm. and and hold on to that because then you can take that that one pain point that the, the rest of the market hasn't solved and you can focus on that in your in your marketing messaging and all of a sudden you found a, an angle that no one else has taken a, a, a solution that uh, the other products don't seem to quite capture correctly and you've got a unique selling proposition right there uh, and that has been collected through not even spending money collecting data through ad channels or anything that that's that's been collected solely by taking a look at amazon spending 30 minutes or an hour going through your competitors products and and boom, really? found, uh, found that answer right there yeah, it's a great, great, great example. Um, well, we're going to take another break, and when we get back, I want to, I want to just kind of touch on um, the one thing about objections and and sales objections that that as a you know in launch marketing, how do you deal with those, and then scaling, uh, because that's where a lot of founders you know kind of fall on their face after even if they got everything else right. So for our listeners, we are talking with Will Russell. He's the CEO of Russell Marketing and the author of the book Launch in Five. Take your idea from light bulb moment to profitable business in record time. And you can learn a lot about him on his website. So go to www.russellmarketing.co. And you can also access the book under www.launchin5. That's the number book.com. Now, Will is also on LinkedIn under Russell Marketing, on Twitter under Will Russell 87, and on on Twitter under Russell Marketing. So please contact him. And this episode is also brought to you by Cinda. And Cinda is one of Europe's largest, fastest growing nonprofit digital marketing and local search associations. You can learn about them on www.cinda.org. They also have a program for startups. So go look at Cinda for startups. And with that, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Want to see what Voice America is up to behind the scenes? Follow us on TikTok at Voice America Talk Radio. Tune in for And Security for All, hosted by Kim Hakem. Each week, we look into a different aspect of cybersecurity, which is important to know for anyone who is involved with the Internet daily, which is probably all of us. We take the technical jargon and make it easier to understand while 
helping you to identify weaknesses and issues in your own cybersecurity and fix them now. And Security for All is broadcast live every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America Business Channel. Inflation remains higher than average. I'm Ference, host of the Your Personal Bank Show. Inflation increases costs and is typically bad for stocks and real estate values. Your personal bank dividends are interest rate sensitive. This can help offset inflation. For more info, tune in to the Your Personal Bank Show or contact Ference at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. That's 866-268-4422. Today we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Sustainable success is just around the corner. If you are an entrepreneur, business leader, or anybody looking for their next level of success, tune into Sustainable Success with host Chris Salem. Did you know that the path to success is a long path that started many years ago? The path you started on then determines what is happening now. Chris and his amazing guests in their field will help you navigate the path to sustainable success every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And uh, today we're talking about launching a business. And um, we're talking with an expert. It's Will Russell, and he's the CEO of Russell Marketing and the author of the book, Launch in Five, Take Your Idea from Lightbulb Moment to Profitable Business in Record Time. And we've been we've been touching on the five steps that that Will talks about um, that goes from validation to audience acquisition, engagement, conversation. And that's what we're talking about before the break and um, optimization. So. So, Will, just uh, we're, we're talking about conversation before the break. So, you, I, I really like the tips you gave. Use, look at other conversations. Use those conversations to see, you know, maybe if your product or service is is missing a need someplace. Um, but even when people have needs, and even if they want something, um, we talked a lot about the price point being kind of a, a sensible. Uh, uh, point right now, a sensitive point right now, but the, there still comes the sales process and there's still objections. So, you know, how do you use launch marketing to get through the sales process and overcome, you know, customer objections? Well, I, one of the, well, I think, most important nuances of launch marketing is the need to proactively address objections in a more meaningful way than you have to if you're already launched and already successfully running. And in the book, we talk about that as a phrase, absence, blindness, which 
was a I didn't coin that term. It was uh, coined by James Clear, uh, but uh, it was very relative and, and relevant in the sense that we have to be able to see what we can't see, and 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 that's kind of a, a nuance and an expertise of a launch marketer, and that specifically is, is a sales objections. So I think let's bucket them into into two different categories here. We have the sales objections that I can predict right now. And the book goes into them in detail, and they are things like pricing. They are things like trust. Uh, do I trust that I'm going to get this product? Do I trust that it's going to be able to do what it says it does? Do I trust the people behind the product? Uh, the use cases, you know, the question of, is this really for me? Can I see myself using it? Am I actually going to make use of this if I purchase it? Those are all common sales objections that we could sit down and, and write out answers for. Uh, without mm. doing any any other work, and you can find those answers online and whatnot. Then there's the second bucket, and, and those are what other sales objections going to be specific to you, specific to your product, and those are things we can't predict. So those are the things we have to find, and we have to find them before we launch. So when we're going through this audience engagement, audience engagement process, one of the key pieces is to find out what are the sales objections. And that's going to come in part naturally because people are going to start asking questions or expressing concerns about your particular product or your idea. And you can you know, write those down and then come up with the answers you have uh, to resolve those, those questions and those objections. And then there's also going to be ways where you can kind of force those answers from people. So things as simple as surveys, things as simple as uh, kind of one-on-one focus group phone, or sorry, one-on-one phone calls or small focus group phone calls, uh, all ways where you can identify some kind of leading questions to your prospects that are going to give you some answers around what might be hurdles to them making a purchase. But whether it's the bucket of things that are very predictable or sales objections that are very predictable, or whether it's the bucket of the sales objections specific to you, unique to you that you need to resolve. Uh, the crux of it is maybe three, four weeks before you even consider making a sale, you should have a pretty comprehensive mm. list of those sales objections and your answers and responses to those sales objections. And then those answers and responses need to be relayed, whether it's through direct one-on-one answers when people ask them or whether it's through a content strategy, such as sending out emails that address these concerns. You need to make sure that as many people in your audience as possible have accessed and seen all of these responses so that when that launch day comes, they have no no fence left to sit on. They have no reason not to buy uh, because you've already proactively answered all of the questions they might. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's a good thing. And that comes back to what you said before, listening to those conversations, looking at product, getting the audience engagement um, and the audience conversation. So, uh, um, well, let's say we have all this and, and we've got the perfect product out there, um, you know, and uh, we've got the engagement, we've got the pricing correct um, and we're ready to go. OK, and. Uh, you know, scalability. And I think you call it something else in your book. I think you call it, well, you, I, I read it as scalability, you know, um, replicability, um, getting it out there and getting it done correctly. And this is where a lot of entrepreneurs really fall on their face because they just, 
you know, the, the rapid growth comes and they don't know what to do. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I think there's two areas that we tend to see founders slip up if they grow quicker than they expected. And one of those is kind of logistically, you know, they've probably set expectations with the manufacturer, with the production uh, line to, to determine how many units might they need, how many products are they going to be selling. Now, if the campaign launches and there's wild success and they end up selling 10 times what they expected or 50 times what they expected, there's likely going to be some challenges in production and mm-hmm. manufacturing and, and then even the, the logistics and shipping, which in of itself is, is quite a comprehensive process. So I think the logistical side of things is, is an area where people aren't prepared for their success. And that can be very dangerous because you can get people excited, you can get them to buy your product. If you're unable to fulfill your, your promise to them, then what you've done is you've given yourself a brand, your brand a, a very negative uh, uh, mm. conversation, very negative conversation occurring around your product, which is tough because it's nothing to do with the product itself. It's simply being down to the fact that you are unable to prepare for the logistics or for the success. The, the second one I would point to that many founders slip up is customer service. I guess similarly, if, if you're getting 10 times or 50 times the customer you expected, the customer service really ramps up. And there's nothing worse from a customer service standpoint for a new brand than to be letting people down and, and not responding and not, and not getting back to them as quickly as you can. And so that's another area where you're a solo founder or maybe you have a small team and you have someone spending a couple of hours a week on customer service and then suddenly you launch and you're getting hundreds of communications a day, all of a sudden it becomes a full-time job, which the current team doesn't have the capacity for. And you've set yourself up again for a negative perception perception from the public without, which, which doesn't even relate to the product itself. It's just, it's just how you've, uh, supported your customers which is the the area you've failed Mm. so i would say if you're preparing to launch and rapid growth you know is is a is a possible scenario that you want to prepare for then i would focus on those two areas you know Mm -hmm. if you were to sell 50 times what you expect how would you deal with that from a fulfillment standpoint and how would you deal with that from a customer service yeah. standpoint? Yeah, that that is very true. All of a sudden you have all these customer service emails you can't answer them. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, exactly, yeah. So we're getting towards the end of the show. So I think, I mean, the book is great um, uh, for our listeners. Tons of tons of tips. So kind of a uh, couple of final questions for you. I mean, we're, we're uh, you know, I'm in Europe and it's definitely, we're in a kind of, global uncertainty with um, Ukraine just over a couple borders and recession and high prices and, and um, you know, how, you know, and then this is a scary thing. As we talked in the beginning, you know, we hear all these big numbers. So what would be your encouragement? Can you really implement this, you know, on a shoestring? Um, do you need a huge budget to to be an entrepreneur or a founder, or can we use your five steps and it kind of streamlines us to being a little bit more risk sensitive? I think that's that's the beauty of, of the system and, and what I try to convey in the book in how it is agnostic to particular channels. So 2023, we're currently year, we're currently in uh, paid advertising. 
Facebook ads, Google ads, that's kind of the go-to for 99% of people launching, launching anything, really. And, and, and so that, yeah, that is the go-to, but that wasn't the case 20 years ago and may not be the case 20 years from now. And so what the book really goes into is how these concepts can apply to different types of strategies that, that don't require budget uh, and might be, uh, might be the, the reality for many people. So, for example, um, there, there are many ways to acquire an audience. You know, most of what I talk about in the book and most of how our clients do it is through spending money, spending ad budget. But that's certainly not the only way. There's ways you can do it through organic social media, through blogging, through video blogging, through organic email list growth. Uh, the book also talks uh, towards the end about growth generators, which, you know, how can you grow? And one of those is, is paid acquisition that requires budget. But the other two, one is viral acquisition and one is organic acquisition. So neither of those require financial investment, really. They require time, but, but not financial investment. So I think that ultimately that is that that's kind of at the core of the book is is that this system you don't need money you don't need you could be coming at this system from from any angle with money without money with an existing company with a with a company that doesn't even exist yet with an with a functional prototype of a product or with an idea on the back of a napkin uh, you can really approach it in many different ways and and the way I presented the system and the way I presented the concept within each of those five steps is, I hope, uh, something that anyone from any situation can uh, can find applicable and, and make really good use of. Mm-hmm. No, and I think I liked what you said about organic and viral also, because I think, you know, as a consumer, sometimes um, there, there's always a habit, my habit anyways, as you say, look at something paid and you kind of sometimes ask questions about it and look the other way but when it's when it's you know organic and 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 really just an article or or content then sometimes i think that's even more attractive than paid advertising what do you think <laughs> yeah i mean that's the dream you know i think the the viral viral content is the dream yeah uh, and if we can trigger there's a really good book called Jay Bear called Talk Triggers. If we can trigger that, then that's kind of the best best that's, case. But yeah. That's much less predictable. And of course. things like paid advertising is much more, we can really predict, we predict it. it. Yeah. 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 So that's so, why it's lean that way. Yeah. Well, there's lots of tips in the book. Um, and, um, and you know, we're getting at the end of the show and uh, Will, it's been it's been really great. And for our listeners, been talking with Will Russell, he's the CEO of Russell Marketing and the author of Launch in Five, Take Your Idea from Lightbulb Moment to Profitable Business in Record Time. And Russell Marketing is specialized in e-commerce launch marketing, which have, they've helped hundreds of entrepreneurs validate their ideas and execute successful launches. And Will has been featured on Business Insider, Forbes, Cranes, New York, Startup Nation, and much more. And if you'd like to learn more about Russell Marketing, go to www.russellmarketing.co. And the book is under www.launchin5, that's the number five, 
facebook.com. Now you can also find Russell Marketing on social media, on LinkedIn under Will Russell Marketing, and on Twitter under at Will Russell 87, on Twitter also at Russell Marketing. And he's also on campsite.bio, Russell Marketing. So, uh, Will, thank you so much. Extremely insightful. Great book. Recommend it to my uh, audience. And thank you for taking the time to be with us today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Kimberly. It was a pleasure. It was really a pleasure. And uh, this, for our listeners, this broadcast has been brought to you by Cinda. And Cinda is one of Europe's fastest growing nonprofit and digital marketing local search associations. They hold virtual trainings, conferences, do market research, legislative white papers focused on digital. Uh, they also have conferences. Their next conference is going to be held October 22nd to 25th in Porto, Portugal. And they also have a section for startups. Um, they have an e-learning platform that takes startups from idea to exit. And you can learn all about this on www.cinda.org. And this platform is free to entrepreneurs and founders. And also listen to us every Tuesday, 3 p.m. Pacific time. And if you miss us, don't worry, because we are on every major podcast platform from Apple to, to Spotify. Just put in Leadership Beyond Borders and you'll find us all over the web. And don't forget to reach out to me. Love to hear from you and tell me what you'd like to hear on this show. And with that, thank you for listening today and tune in again next week. Thank you for joining us on Leadership Beyond Borders. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Kimberly J. Lewis, on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.